Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about the parables of the Master. Jesus spoke to the crowds and his disciples. And in these four parables, he teaches the ongoing conflict of the enemy and the mixture of the godly and the ungodly growing together in the absence of the king. Don't get surprised when you see that. Don't get mad. Jesus warned us and told us it's going to happen. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Stories are a great way of communicating an important truth, and the master storyteller of all time was none other than Jesus. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to Matthew chapter 13 as he helps us discover four important truths about the secrets of the kingdom found in the parables of Jesus. Now let's join him for today's challenging study, The Kingdom Parables. I want to talk to you about the kingdom parables that our Lord taught here in Matthew 13. It is the third major discourse that our Lord speaks to His disciples as well as the multitudes. Please mark it well. Because in this chapter, Jesus disclosed things that were never known before. It is a key chapter to understand the age of grace, for this is the, the revelation, if you will, by parabolic teaching of what will take place during the age of grace in the absence of the king. Mark it well. Let me propose to you that the kingdom parables communicate four important things for us to know about the age of grace. Number one, the sowing of seed. God wants us to know that it teaches that. Secondly, the sowing of men. Thirdly, the sowing of conflict. Fourthly, the sowing of responsibility. Let's look at the first, the sowing of seed. The sowing of seed is found in, from verse 1 to 9, the parable of the sower. And the interpretation, verses 18 through 23. The sower went out to sow seed by the wayside. The birds came and devoured them. Some fell by places where they did not have much earth, and they were immediately sprung up, but because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell by thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, sixty, and uh, thirtyfold. He who has an ear, let him hear. Now, a very typical scene in the day of Palestine. The sowing of seed. Four different types of individuals. Four different types of hearts. Right from the beginning in this first parable. Jesus would have us to understand that during the age of grace, there will be much sowing of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the heart of men. And that not all will receive. For the most part, the majority will reject. And even in those that receive, there is a distinction in effectiveness. 30, 60, 100 full. There are those who are sold out 100% to the Lord. And that's their primary purpose for life. There are others who are less committed. And others who are even less committed. The second thing is found in... Verses 24 through 30 and 36 through 43. It is the sowing of men. 
It is found in the parable of the tares and the wheat. He says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. And so the servant of his owners came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And the word tares there is darnels. It's almost like a, a false wheat, if you will. You can't tell the difference till the blade springs forth. He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go out and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, notice back in verse 24, the kingdom of heaven is like a man sowing good seed in his field. There was an enemy sowing darnels. The Jews call them I think they call it bastard wheat because of the duplicity of it and the falsity of it. And here you have the two sowings. But don't confuse the sowing of the parable of the sower with the, with the parable of wheat and tares. For here it is not the sowing of the gospel, but the sowing of men who are born again and women who are born again. Because if you look to the interpretation by Jesus Christ in verse 36... It says, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares and the field. Listen. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. So again, the sower is Jesus Christ. The field is the world. Listen. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Did you ever pick that up? But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. It is God who saves people to plant them in the world. The field is the world. Jesus gives us the interpretation. And so here you have God sowing men and women in the field of the world that is dark, that they might proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, but there is an enemy. An enemy that sows darnels here, which means they are those who look just like the sons of the kingdom. They smell like them, they sound like them, but they're not sons and daughters of the kingdom. Well, should we do? Look around, throw them out? No, Jesus, leave them alone. I'll take care of that at the end of the age when I return. There are those who are openly perverse and we need to confront them. There are those who are openly teaching heresy and we need to call them out. There are those who are openly rebellious and we need to deal with them. But among that and apart from that, Jesus tells us that there will be some sitting next to us who are not Christians and they will pass themselves off as Christians and they are sons of the devil. And so we see that God wants us to know that there is a sowing of seed, the gospel, during the age of grace. We see that he wants us to know that there is a sowing of men and women to affect the world of its darkness, its perverseness, its lostness. 
But there's a third thing that the kingdom parables teach us, and that is the sowing of conflict. Both in these first two parables of the sower and of the tares and the wheat, there is conflict. The seed goes out and the birds come and snatch it up. Jesus identified the birds as the enemy, Satan. Birds are always symbolic of evil throughout the scriptures. They're never portrayed as good. Study the Old Testament, the New Testament. Get a concordance. They're always symbolic of evil. So there is conflict in the parable of the sower to hinder the gospel. There is conflict in the parable of the tares and the wheat in imitation, duplicity. They're imposters. There's a conflict there. There is also conflict in the parable of the mustard seed, verse 31 through 32. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in a field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, and when it has grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. What are birds? Evil. Good, class. Now, I said we have to be consistent, right? We cannot contradict the meaning of Scripture, symbols, or basically, and most important, the interpretation of Jesus. For the most part, most commentators, most teachers behind the pulpit today teach that verse 31 and 32, the parable of the mustard seed, teaches that the kingdom is going to grow and permeate the whole earth by the time Jesus returns. But this is inconsistent with the teaching of Jesus to the first two parables and the whole of teaching in Matthew 13. Remember, birds are evil. We've been made white as snow. The mustard seed is the smallest of seeds. It is the greatest of, mark it well, the herbs. It is not a tree. It's a bush. Jesus is teaching here that during the kingdom age, in the age of, the, of, of grace, in the absence of the king, the church of Jesus Christ would take on abnormal growth in all kinds of denominations, all kinds of religious affiliations will be identified with Christianity. It will be an abnormal growth, and then that will give place for birds, evil men, to lodge therein. And so let me propose to you that even here in this parable, there is conflict. Conflict by those who misrepresent the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and do violence to the organism of the church because they are in an organization. It is dead and not living. In the next parable, the parable of leaven, Another parable spoke he to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leaven. Once again, the popular interpretation of this is that it speaks of the church and how the church is going to just affect the whole world like leaven. Leaven is just uh, yeast and you put it in dough, you're going to bake some bread, some of you women do that, and you leave it overnight and it rises, it affects the whole lump. So they say, well, here it speaks of the good effect of the church on the world. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus gave the interpretation. Leaven is always used of evil consistently through Scripture, unless the context dictates it. Paul uses it in Corinthians, Galatians, 
Matthew himself, all the times that it appears in this gospel, it is used of evil. Later on, he speaks of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, hypocrisy and rationalism. It's always used of sin, of evil. Therefore, this parable cannot teach the effects of the church upon the world to where it's going to just take over the world. Now that is being taught today through kingdom theology and dominion theology. Let's take back ground. Let's get some politicians in there. It's a misunderstanding and a bad application of not only the scriptures, but the whole scenario that Jesus gives us of the age of grace. And so consistently through the scriptures, leaven is always symbolic of sin. So the interpretation that this speaks that the church is going to affect and take over the world is absolutely contrary to not only the interpretation of Jesus, but it's contrary to the whole interpretation of the scriptures. When Jesus returns, he will return for a small flock, not a big flock. These first four parables, Jesus spoke to the crowds and his disciples publicly. And in these four parables, he teaches the ongoing conflict of the enemy and the mixture of the godly and the ungodly growing together in the absence of the king. Don't get surprised when you see that. Don't get mad. Jesus warned us and told us it's going to happen. Don't get disappointed. And so, the sowing of seed, the sowing of men, and the sowing of conflict to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The last four parables, we're not going to get into them like we did the first four, but the last four parables, there's a key verse in verse 36. Don't miss it. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares in the field. The next four parables, plus the interpretation of the tares and the wheat, was spoken back in the house, privately, to his disciples, the men of faith. The first four were spoken to men who were blind, regarding spiritual matters, and all they could observe is external manifestations. But now he speaks to the men of faith, and he gives to them the divine activity of the Lord in spite of the opposition and the conflict and the victorious gathering of his bride at his second coming. And there you have the division. He goes out of the house to the sea. He comes from the sea back to the house and he gives to his disciples. For the parables there is the parable of the treasure that is hid. That parable also is taught that it is we who count all that we have and we throw it away because we want to accept the kingdom. No, you can't purchase salvation. That's a wrong interpretation. The one who gave all was Jesus Christ. He became poor for us. He emptied himself. The treasure, if you go back to Old Testament... Exodus 19.5, the treasure is Israel. Jesus came to his own people. They rejected him. He gave them up. He's coming back for them again. Where has he hid the treasure? In the field, the world. He will deal with Israel once again during the tribulation period. 
So the interpretation has to be consistent. It cannot be that we purchase salvation. It has to be the Lord who gave all to purchase the field. You remember Ruth and Boaz? What did Boaz do? He purchased the field. Why? Because the treasure of Ruth was in the field. The second parable is that of the pearl of great price. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a beautiful pearl, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had to buy it. Again, they interpret it saying that it is we who count the cost and we forsake everything to be saved. Wrong. You cannot purchase salvation. Not only that, you don't find salvation. Salvation finds you. Once again, the merchant is Jesus Christ. The interesting thing about the pearl is, what does the pearl mean? I believe the pearl speaks of the church of Jesus Christ. The treasure of Israel, the pearl Jesus, the, the church of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful analogy because you know what, how a pearl gets to be a pearl. You have an oyster in the sea and a little grain of sand goes into it and it becomes a very irritating thing, discomfort. And it starts oozing, secreting all these uh, fluids and it starts wrapping around layer by layer. It takes a lot of time. And before you know it, there's a beautiful priceless pearl. Just like the church of Jesus Christ, all through the ages, Jesus collecting his bride, layer after layer, the white and the innocence of pearl is, is symbolic of that. It's an innocence and impurity. There's another thing that is really interesting in parallel. That is that for someone to obtain the pearl, the little animal has to give up its life. Jesus Christ gave up his life to obtain his bride, to make her without spot, without wrinkle, without any such thing. And so I believe this is the proper interpretation. The treasure, Israel. The pearl, Jesus Christ. The last parable, or the second to last, the parable, the dragnet. The dragnet was put out to the sea. They gathered all kinds of fish. They brought them to the shore. They threw away the bad from the good. He goes on to say that so will be in the end of the age. In verse 49. Wailing and gnashing of teeth. Verse 50. And then he says, have you understood these things? <laughs> I can just see them saying, uh, yeah, no, yeah, Lord. <laughs> they didn't understand many things. The sowing of conflict is to be marked throughout the age of grace. Don't be surprised when you are bombarded by the enemy. Don't freak out. Don't call it quits. Put your hand to the plow. Don't look back. And say along with Paul, I press forth that I may apprehend that for which I was apprehended for. I don't look back. You've begun the race. Let's finish it. Not all that run receive a price. So run that you may obtain. That's the exhortation of the scriptures. And so the sowing of seed. It's God's department. We're the instruments. The sowing of men. It's God's purpose to put us in the world. The sowing of conflict is to be expected. And absolute. One last thing. 
that our Lord wants us to know through the kingdom parables. It is found in verses 51 through 52. It is the sowing of responsibility. Why did Jesus make all this known? Simply because he entrusted man with the gospel. He entrusted man with the knowledge of the kingdom. There are many things we do not know, but you know what? There are a lot of things we do. Let's be responsible to the things we do know. That we may be good stewards regarding the Lord Jesus Christ. He says unto them, have you understood these things? They said unto him, yes, Lord. Then he said to them, therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Fresh and ancient is a better translation. Here we have the Lord Jesus having finished the eight parables. Having given the process, the development, the conflict, and the outcome of the age of grace. Do you understand what you are to expect? So that you aren't blown away when the conflict comes? Do you know what your part is when God opens a door for you to share the gospel of Christ with somebody? Do you do it? Are you aware that there are many among us who are not Christians? But they are children of Satan. Are you aware of people who are in the church to bring evil upon God's people and to merchandise God's people? Are you aware of all these truths? You should be and you need to be. Jesus spent all this time to reveal it to us. The sowing of responsibility falls on those who hear. The scribe was that man who, by all practical purposes, as you look to the days of Ezra, was a chronicler. He took down the facts of the armies and the wars. He was a figure man. Later on, they became interpreters of the law. And so they were responsible to study, to learn, to interpret, and then to pass on. There is the application. It's a parable. Now you do what a scribe was supposed to do. But he also says, like a householder who brings out of his treasures things new and old. A householder was one who had all the authority to run the house. You remember Joseph? Potiphar gave him all the reign of his house. It says that no, no one knew all that Potiphar had, not even Potiphar except Joseph. Yet he has all authority, and yet nothing belongs to him. You and I are privileged to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and what God has allowed us to know through the scriptures. That we might be good, faithful stewards of the gospel of the kingdom. And he will hold us responsible to what we do with what we hear. Over and over again. Let him that has an ear, let him hear. Revelation, what the Spirit has to say, let him hear. Over and over and over again. And therefore there is an awesome responsibility to you and myself to understand these parables of the kingdom. There is so much here, but I want you to grab the whole of the chapter. It's a key chapter. Not only to the book, 
but to your life while you're here in the absence of the King, that you might be used effectively for the kingdom of God. The sowing of seed, the sowing of men, the sowing of conflict, the sowing of responsibility. What are you doing with what God has given to you? Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about parables and the life of the believer. Now you can request a copy of today's message about the teachings of Jesus called The Kingdom Parables. It's available on CD for just $4. And be sure and request an additional copy to pass on to those in your church or Bible study. The title to ask for once again is The Kingdom Parables, or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Getting the best of something usually includes a high price. Well, next time, we'll be counting the high cost of commitment. Join Pastor Xavier Reese on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com